0: You're listening to Slice of Cheese with Jenny Linford on Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, Petersyard.com
1: and specialist food retailers. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com. Hello. Welcome to A Slice of Cheese – the Food FM radio series that celebrates the world of cheese. I'm Jenny Linford, a food writer and cheese enthusiast, the author of Great British Cheeses. Cheese is a delicious and fascinating food, and we're setting out to explore this remarkable food and share the stories of the people who make, sell and love it. This week, we delve behind the Restaurant Cheese Board to gain some insights into the Restaurant Cheese Network. Tom Badcock of Harvey Brockless, the speciality food producer and distributor, shares tales of supplying cheese to the hospitality sector. Chef Graham Garrett tells us how he cooks and serves cheese at his restaurant, The West House, in Biddington, Kent. And Rory Buchanan... Of Buchanan's Cheesemonger discusses the world of affinage and how he matures cheese for top end restaurants.
0: Online, on smart speakers, and on listen again, this is Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, Petersyard.com and specialist food retailers.
1: This week on A Slice of Cheese, very happy to have with me today, Tom Badcock, cheese specialist. He works for Harvey & Brockless, who are a specialist wholesaler. Is that right, Tom?
2: Yeah, we're, we're cheese and, uh, well, we, I've got to say, we now have about 3,000 lines covering <laughs> from certainly fine cheese, but we we do a very, very good range of British charcuterie now. Um, Wonderful. And from and from there, you'll, you'll see that we also do great chocolate and we do great... Uh, Smoked salmon. You you name it. If if a fine chef wants something, we've got what he needs. Yeah. Brilliant.
1: And so we're obviously focusing about cheese, given it's a slice of cheese. And I was actually interested, Tom I wanted I was curious to know about some of the logistical challenges that offering cheese to customers on the scale of which you work i was really curious to get an insight into what might happen you know behind the scenes tell me some of the issues or some of the i don't know the fun bits or, or I, the it's, challenges
2: it's, <laughs> it's, it's it is it's been an absolute pleasure to work with fine cheese but it does come with a kind of nightmare that's in, in, in behind the scenes i mean the simple one is if i will get a, a fabulous sort of you know chef phone me up and say tom give me a recommendation seven great cheeses and in one in one in one part of my brain, I'm saying I want to recommend this, but on the other side of my brain, I'm saying, oh my goodness, this this cheesemaker might want to take take this weekend off. He might not yeah. have that product. You know, the scale of production is so small in many many cases yeah. that we, we we hesitate to recommend uh, where, but with that or, or guarantee maybe the right word to guarantee mm-hmm. that a product is available. I, I endeavor to supply. And on the whole, we do supply. But, you know, you get to a, you get to a position where you, you need to work way in advance of a big demand. So, for example, let's say an event, um, uh, let's say Royal Ascot. Yep. Um, we're talking to Gemma there, uh, exec chef of Royal Ascot, in November and December, ahead hmm. of the following June, smart chefs recognize that it would that, that no supplier will give them all their stock. It'll jeopardize their existing supply. You know, if they if they're sending products around the country, they're not going to give everything they, that they make to the Royal yeah. Ascot. Um, they'll upset far too many customers. So uh, you can see that it's a little tricky. And we haven't, we haven't even got on to the fact that when you, when you sell a cheese ripe, half of my customers are going to reject it because it's ripe. And then, <laughs> right. oddly, if I sell a cheese half ripe, the other half will complain if it's not ripe.
1: Right. A <laughs> joy, yes. It sounds complicated, yes. I mean, and and what about something like you know, if you're catering events, then presumably the cheese has to be portioned. Is that, is that something else that you have yeah. a service yes. that you're? this is a yeah.
2: service that um, uh, that we've been offering for about twenty plus years. We started wow. off. Um, portioning for British Airways uh, mm. and the demand was, was such that we built a, 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 cu- a custom-made cutting plant. Um, this service is of course now on offer to well, all great customers of ours. Uh, yes yeah, so in other words uh, if you're, a, let's say you're Nigel at the Grosvenor House and you, are, you have a thousand people sitting down for mm. a, a, an event, you've only got three days to prep because no one told you it was going to happen until Thursday of that week, well, who's going to cut your cheese? Yeah. It's a major job, and uh, so we work with um, obviously with lots of carbon dioxide, lots of nitrogen. Um, we can we eliminate and filter out fungi, and we have ultrasonic cutters which are rather wonderful. And if you've got five minutes, I'll tell you yes. about an ultrasonic no, cutters. Yeah,
1: I want to hear. Oh, ultrasonic yes. cutters
2: are rather wonderful. This is the idea. <laughs> Let, let's say let's say they take a Wednesday Dale. Mm-hmm. you pushed a knife through a Wednesdaydale. Well, frankly, you're going to split that wensleydale. You're not going to cut it. It's going to crack in half as the pressure of your blade rips it in half. Mm. Well, that's the first problem. So you need a blade that vibrates. So we have blades that go through cheese that are vibrating thousands of times a second. Wow. So in other words, they, they, they fall through Wednesdaydale. At the same time, they would, they, 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 if you go through a sticky cheese like a ripe brie, that the blade just slides through it. It doesn't hmm. stick to the brie as it goes through. Now, all those chefs out there have been trying to cut cheese, and it always sticks to the knife, and you end up with bits <laughs> of cheese wedged everywhere. We'll understand the problem. Because we're using optical eyes to read the cheese, it's quite possible for, for me to, let's say, uh, you, you've got, let's say, uh, Tom up at, up at Twickenham and he wants me to cut a few thousand portions of something, it, it's possible for me to put my cheese on a, on a, under an optical eye, which reads the cheese's diameter and height. I can then, and, and of course it, it, it takes its weight as well, I can yeah. then put in things like 25 grams into the computer, yeah. whereupon this magic piece of gear understands that, yes, I need to cut this cheese twice horizontally, and then it will go on to a rotation, rotating plane, whereupon it will turn that cheese by 5.3 degrees. And every 5.23 degrees, it will slice downwards, giving me exactly 25 gram portions. I would love to say, tell you it's cheap. It really is the most expensive piece of gear. <laughs> and, uh, but it's, a, it's it's quite fantastic, particularly because you, you, from time to time I have chefs saying, oh, Tom, I can portion my own cheese. And I say, well, yes, you can. Yes, you can. But you try and get 25 portions of cheese out of that all weighing 25 grams. And you really, <laughs> the poor man. Anyway, you get the idea. Yeah. It's, quite it's quite pleasing to have the right gear at the right time in the right place.
1: Yes, mm. I imagine that was pretty you know, an investment that you're pretty pleased you made for the company. Well, yeah, so, yes, yes,
2: yes. And we now look after... So, so yes, some, some serious outfits. We have a, a depot out in Dubai uh, working for Emirates. and um, Gosh. You, yeah, um, we and, look after big trains and so forth.
1: So, how many cheeses would you stock? Do you, do you have a huge range of cheeses that you offer?
2: We have about 1,300 cheeses. Uh, it's, it's, it's worth pausing briefly to recognise that we don't have 1,300 different cheeses. Yeah. You can often have various different, sort of, shall we say, grades of the same cheese. So, take. Right. Um, Brie, I've got, I think, something like over 20 different bries. Hmm. Um, I'll have, on one hand, I'll have French, and then I'll have English, and then I'll have uh, raw, and then I'll have thermalized, and then I'll have pasteurised. I'll have cheap, I'll have expensive. You, you get it, you get. It. There's yes. something for everybody out there. Perfect. Um, so, yes, yeah, so of 1,300, um, the next question really should be, how many cheeses am I proud to have on my rack? Well, <laughs> possibly about, you know, uh, 450. The well, rest are would fit yes. into the functional, the working, the practical, and they exist, but they're, they're not the ones you necessarily want in your fridge at home.
1: Right, that's mm. interesting. And have you noticed with with restaurants? I mean, one of the things I've seen in my own sort of life as a food writer that, that uh, you know the more people making cheese in Britain, you know, a sort of rise, you know, a, a flowering, I suppose, of British cheese making, Is that something that the people you work with are they interested in in offering British cheeses to to you know, to their clients or to their guests?
2: Oh, very much so. I mean, the, the switch over, I mean, for the first, I mean, I've, I've been doing this now for about 30, 32 years. And for the first 10 years, it was very, very French. And the move across to Britain, the British cheeses has been just wonderful. I mean, there are certain characters, w- which I still buy cheese from every every week, and, and they are just figureheads in British cheesemaking. Um, hmm. It's just wonderful to have... Uh, people like uh, Charles Martel, who makes stinking bitches. Oh, he's wonderful! You look Charles. at his history, yes. and 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 yeah. he was very much at the dawn he of was. fine British cheesemaking. Yeah, uh, shall we say, new era British cheesemaking?
1: Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah,
2: people like um, James Aldridge, who's no longer with us, um, yeah. who made tornigas. Uh, tr- tremendous figureheads in in kickstarting this yeah. this, this process going. Um, and, uh, and he didn't even a,
1: make. I mean, sorry, I didn't interrupt. But Charles is so interesting because he was making the cheese in order to save the cattle. He wanted to save, was he? You know, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because oh, there's, there's he has been. so it's a, yeah. a very
2: curious. Well, he has sort of food historians all over me. him, which I absolutely <laughs> love. Nothing quite like <laughs> yeah. cornering Charles and asking yeah. him things that only yeah. he knows. It's wonderful. Yes, it's wonderful.
1: Mm. I mean, so that's so, yes, you've had this long. So it must be very satisfying. So you've got long relationships then with, with which does always seem very important. You know, if you are going to sell cheese and work with it, then actually having relationships with the makers, good relationships. It's, that must be it's a very lo- big bit. of It the is business. lovely.
2: It's a tremendous yeah. privilege to be able to work at both ends, to have both ends of my market from fine chefs to fine cheese makers and to sit in the middle of these great people. It's been a great, a great privilege. Um, having said that, I, I look. I look at them and and, and it's, what's odd about the cheesemakers and the great cheesemakers is, is that many of them are, remain hobbyists, mm. m- meaning that their business is really not developing into a really high profit centre. It, it remains a lifestyle choice. And is that
1: because of the nature of what we're prepared to pay for fine cheese? It in is indeed. Britain? It is oh, indeed. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. We are kind of trap them into being working for no profit. It's It's not not of my making or or of the the customer's making. It's it's the sheer uh, dimensions of it. So you go to a supermarket, you can buy a cheese for £4.50 a kilo. And it's people's natural expectation that that's the price of cheese. But of course, it's far from it. It should be way beyond £40 a kilo. In order mm. to be able to give the poor the poor cheesemaker a chance to to run to run his business as a commercial exercise do you see
1: that because you must have experienced them with european cheesemakers do you see that is that the same situation in other countries like france or italy do you get a sense um, of how it works
2: certainly the same in france uh, yes there's there's yeah. a, a complete uh, exodus from cheese making in france i would say that the americans have got it right but ah. the, the American um, fine cheese sector is charging the right sort of price and you will pay proper money in the States. For, so is there a comparison?
1: So if a kilo of, you know, I don't know, you know, an American I fine think cheese if I would pull, be.
2: Put, uh, pull the kind of figures into the, the, kind of figures into the air. Mm-hmm. Um, for the finest Stilton, you'll be paying £30 a kilo in a, in the, in a fine shop, in a good shop. Yeah. Um, like Colson Bassett, for example. Mm-hmm. But in the States, it starts at 55.
1: Wow. OK.
2: And, and that's a fair price. And only one of these models does the cheesemaker is making much money. And, and I'm afraid, as you might have guessed, the, the American one. Yes,
1: that's um, interesting. We, our
2: pricing yeah. is far too low in the UK.
1: Is one of the things that you like about your job, Tom, that presumably, you, if you're working on the scale you do, are you able to offer really substantial bits of business to some of the cheesemakers you work with? Oh,
2: yes. Yes, I, I it's it's it is, it is rather wonderful to be able to pick up the phone and say I did it the other day I, I had um, a problem with a french brie I have a I have a wonderful there's a, it, the cafe royal has a cheesecake a spectacular cheesecake in fact actually <laughs> it's considered to be the best cheesecake in the entire world Okay uh, I need to uh, investigate uh, that yeah. uh, and they were using a, a french a french uh, raw brie um mm-hmm. all very good but I was most keen to, to get uh, Jonathan Crickmore's Baron Bigod in there. Mm. And um, all I was waiting for was that moment that the French, the French had a food scare with food scares come along from time to time, just that they will withhold stock just in case yep. there's a problem. But it was my opportunity to, to say, look, guys, you, you, you know, just look at this cheese. It's spectacular. <laughs> and uh, so, yes, there's nothing more pleasurable than than. than than to, to send, send Jonathan an email saying, check out your cheese, where it is, right there on the corner of Piccadilly. Um yeah. Going into possibly, possibly the greatest cheesecake in the world. Wonderful. Um, they have, um, uh, sometimes it works on scale. So for example, uh, for, for those of us who've been to Twickenham uh, to watch an international, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to imagine how many people are being fed during mm-hmm. an autumn uh, International or a yeah. spring sort of um, six-six uh, nations match. I mean, t- to give you a kind of shape to it, Um, we 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 deal up there with portioning into thirty gram portions. I I, I will cut three different types of cheese for a proper international. Uh, they will reflect the cheeses of the match. Oh, sorry, the nations of the match. So right. Irish cheese will appear, and the Irish, Olive Isle of I will cut 11,000 portions of Cashel blue. Gosh. That is just one of, one of two other cheese. I was just, just thumbing through, actually, just, just knocking around, actually, what I, I was cutting. So for the Irish game, which is only a, only a couple of months ago, I was, I was cutting 11,000 portions of Cashel, all weighing 30 grams, hmm. 11,000 portions of rosary. Now, that rosary, you, I hope you know your Chris Moody's Beautiful young yes. goat cheese. Yes, I do. Um, it is lovely. Pitchfork, the new cheddar. Ah, yes, done. that's lovely. Um, I saw,
1: yes, they're great. Spectacular yeah. cheeses. Be- beautiful. But that's
2: a tonne of artisan wow. cheese. A, yeah. a tonne. I mean, when you bear in mind the sort of the, the logistics of, the, of, of, of how does he produce that much? How does he produce that much without disturbing their the, 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 the existing customers? Mm -hmm. you know it's it is tremendous and um these guys um those three cheesemakers particularly uh, have kind of earned their stripes We, we have much smaller events so we will pick up the phone and say do you think we could have 20 kilos on this date and if they send only 15 kilos it, they might not go up to the next level if you yeah, sort of I mean. sure, I do see what you um, mean. So and would, re- you, would
1: would they get enough notice? I was thinking about something. You'd... Oh, we
2: give them yeah. lots of notice. Because, especially with the big hard the...
1: cheeses, because they, yeah, they take time, don't they, to mature? We're when, we're not approaching it cold with
2: these guys. We've been yeah. working with them, and, and we've got about um, twenty cheesemakers that we work with across Britain, uh, and we escalate them upwards. Right. Um, so for the first time, we give them maybe Wembley to to, to feed. Mm. They, suddenly, they, they chew their knuckles and think, ah, what are we yeah. going to do? And, yeah. and, they, and they do their maths and they realise that that function alone will pay for another 300 moles yeah. For, yeah. for them to extend their range. And then, and then you get a bit further and they suddenly think, my goodness, you know, now we're, we're feeding Royal Ascot. That, right. Yes, we're not going to make much profit, but you know what? That'll give us enough profit to build a new maturing room. Yeah. And then the next job they're on, they're, on, they're at Twickenham. You know, you, you, it's quite wonderful Gosh. to see how this kind of, shall we say, cash injection can help yeah. um, and allow them to take a few more
1: risks. And, what um, I, have you, and obviously, you love cheese yourself. Have, have there been occasions where you've gone to a restaurant and eaten a fantastic cheese board, you know, it, where you were so impressed by? Has it been like, have there been sort of seminal. I I tell you what gets
2: on my my goat (laughs) (laughs) is is going to a beautiful Mm. restaurant and they wheel out this wonderful selection of cheese and then they turn to you with a lovely smile, gentle smile, and they say, "Um, Ooh, what what five cheeses would you like? And I'm going, Mm. I'm going into my head, I'm going, five cheeses? No, No, I want all of them. (laughs) And <laughs> uh, 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 what I don't get it in my head is why, why they would then go and cut maybe 30 gram wedges of those five cheeses. Why wouldn't they just cut 12, 15 gram cheeses? Yes. Or, or, you know, wh- 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 why wouldn't they just alter the amount that they give me for that cheeses? Yeah. And yes, I'm not going to name the, t- the restaurants involved here but they, they they're Discretion. out there
1: and, yes. and, and
2: i can't work out in my head why you would punish a cheese lover by rationing them to only five cheeses when you've From got a beautiful trolley. big range yes. you just yeah. need to wise up and cut smaller amounts of cheese
1: have you come across As, have, have you had any generous cheese trolley experiences where they've just gone what would you like i think there is an more, argument so you, know, has that happened? Say you,
2: you yeah. see this this, well, generous. There's a different. There's several things going on here. Generous cheeses. You go into a beautiful pub and they'll cut you fifty grams of a great cheese, and you go, "Whoa, that's a proper oversized portion." <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I I I teach cheese in various places, but they, I, I, I try and get across to these that my students. I say, look, you, you know, in front of you, you've got a little, a small, tiny little, you know, ten gram portion. It's the first bite that's the best. You know, the Mm. second bite was pretty good. The third bite's all right, but the twentieth bite—you know—you hate that cheese. You've just Ah, had it. Ah, that's
1: interesting. So you just—and because I paid so much money and I'm a bit tight,
2: I will probably eat the full fifty gram, but I won't have enjoyed the last half of it.
1: Yeah, Uh, that's interesting. uh, Yes.
2: Uh, yeah. And I, I would argue, make more, widen the selection of cheese that yeah. people get offered. What, what's this three cheese on a plate for? <laughs> and the other thing that really gets on my goat, I mean, don't get me wrong, you do realize, I'm, of course, I'm talking about half my customers here. And they're lovely customers. <laughs> but they will go and put the familiar cheeses out on cheese boards. What is, what are they doing putting a lump of brie, a beautiful Stilton and a, and a lump of cheddar on a board for? That's wonderful cheesemakers who make great stuff. And all they do is put the same style of cheeses out. And I would say, please don't do that. Give a break to another, che- another, another, yes. another style of cheese. Uh, and we see, um, yeah, essentially a, a kind of um, a kind of familiarity. It's a bit like saying, if you ask a customer what he'd like to eat, he'll name five, and we're talking cheeses here, Yes. he'll, he'll name five cheeses, and you'll think, oh, he must know his cheese. So he'll say, oh, i will have some red Leicester there, some, some Brie there. Or, oh, would you have some, um, I don't know, some, something bluey, maybe, uh, you know, cambazola, And, and you realise by the time he's got to five cheeses, that's the only five cheeses he can name. And, and so you're forced to kind of, To put cheeses out that people are familiar with right because you we're not in the business of giving them wacky and weird stuff all the time yeah so this this they thread a kind of path of giving familiar at the same time and trying to trying to give them something different and it's a really difficult path to lead i would say to a chef give all that up and just put what you like on a cheese plate just what you what gives you a buzz what make what you know with a little dribble of honey and a few caraway seeds what really you really enjoy yourself personally (laughs) and don't don't try to keep everybody happy by giving shall we say familiar cheeses um in front
1: of them so you know i was thinking with your bit you know restaurants their fashions in eating which you must have seen so many changes you know and and dining and the offer and the thing that i feel i see you know, in the chefs that I like and enjoy eating their food, is that they have, they sort of they bring a sort of intelligence actually about ingredients, to what they put on a plate. So I'm sort of interested in what you were saying. I was, you oh, know, I would have thought they would be doing that in a way. You know, being pass, is it, or do you think there's sort of conservatism when it comes to the cheese uh, board that there they is just concern, play it safe? It? Ah, yeah, you're
2: right. There is conservatism, but yeah. you, you uh, don't get me wrong. We're not talking about the the, the Michelin restaurants here. I mean, they they fit into a, a much smaller box. I'm talk, really talking about. What you'd have in a beautiful hotel, or yeah, uh, right. in, a, in a nice brasserie. So they just play
1: it slightly safe because that's yeah, sort you of, and I yeah, can guess what's on that from.
2: cheese plate before we turn up.
1: Yeah,
3: and, and,
2: but you know what? If I was running a French brasserie, I would indeed put Conte and a beautiful Bride of Mo out because you know.
1: <laughs> but it's, it's the classics, so classic, so classic. It's the other <laughs> yeah. three
2: or four cheeses yeah. that I'd put out there, yeah. I, and I'd yeah. also probably bring ten cheeses out. Yes. You know, why, why just wheel out just three or four? Um, I mean... They're... Well, it must
1: be... Presumably, when you have friends around and you offer them a cheese board, that must be quite an experience then. They must enjoy uh, it. Well,
2: when I first started, years back, I used to bring cheeses home that was, were proper scary, actually. So it would all be the all the out-of-date stuff and I would bring home and my friends were sort of... Didn't quite know what to expect. Really,
1: yeah.
2: (laughs) Uh, Oh, Tom's offering us cheese, and
1: they were cowering away. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But I think now it's become a kind of a. um, Maybe I've tamed down. I've also, I love young, many many young cheeses. I I Mm. think I underestimated how beautiful they were until I'd I'd had maybe several years of super strong cheeses to get out of my system, and you realise how that. Let's say. a a gorewood caffili of just the beauty yes beautiful
1: yes i agree yes of
2: of, of an elegant cheese yes i mean yes what's it taste of it's not about all about taste it's
1: about the way it breaks and on your mouth absolutely the texture is that so interesting and often with those gentler cheeses it yes it's not about sort of you know wham you in the face flavor it's actually Mm. a much gentler subtler experience so there's
2: things 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 that are quite fun to look at if you if you, it, it's not all about the cheese, it's about the crust on the bread. And the hmm. French will enjoy this, this idea that, that a brie is nothing if, unless you've got a really good crust on that bread. Hmm. And, and that it needs to be just that fractile aggression, slightly tough. And it just plays on your palate in opposite to the, to the creamy yeah. gunkiness of a ripe brie or a gorgeous camembert.
1: Oh, Tom. Well, thank you. That's um, you've actually sort of made me want to rush to a restaurant and uh, yes, and uh, to a cheese shop. So yeah, that's that was lovely. It was lovely to hear your 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 the insights and your. It a is a you. it is a
2: most complicated business selling selling great products to to great chefs, and yeah, uh, you almost you sort of kind of you thread your path through through trying to keep people happy, guarantee stuff. Of course, price enters into it as well, and yes. And, and the complexities of, of trying to get stuff to somebody on time at the right, at the right you know, Still
1: to fit doing their it. menu. Yes. It's quite,
2: quite fun. I've, I've enjoyed many, many years of it.
1: <laughs> I can tell. Wonderful. Oh, Tom, that was brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Much appreciated. Take care. Bye-bye. All the best to you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. I'm a huge fan of Peter's Yard's crackers, and they go beautifully with cheese. All Peter's Yard's crackers are made in small batches, using quality natural ingredients and their sourdough starter slowly fermented for 16 hours for award-winning flavour and crunch. Visit petersyard.com forward slash shop. Enter the code SLICEOFCHEESE at the checkout to receive 25% off your first order.
0: Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com, and specialist food retailers.
1: This morning on A Slice of Cheese, thrilled to have with me the wonderful chef Graham Garrett of the West House Restaurant in Biddingdon. Good morning, Graham.
0: Good morning, how are you?
1: I'm good, Graham. This week on A Slice of Cheese, we're looking at the whole idea of sort of chicken hospitality, which obviously includes cheese in restaurants. And I wanted to start with the... The question I wanted to ask you first was: When you were becoming interested in food, because you were a musician in a band before you became a chef, was, did you have some sort yeah. of cheeseboard epiphanies in a restaurant? Did you go? Did you get a chance to eat some cheese that opened your mind to the world of cheese?
0: Apart from playing cheesy music in bands, I was um, <laughs> I, my first real cheesy like encounter with cheese in a restaurant was when I would started chefing and um, Ah. I'd literally just started cooking and I went to the Carved Angel in Dartmouth in the Joyce Molyneux days
1: oh wonderful
0: and um, the cheese board or should I say cheese trolley that Ah. arrived apart from being main I mean I I remember sort of I don't remember exactly what cheeses were on there other than they were all amazing but it was the Mm. accompaniments you know she had She'd kind of made her own pickled grapes, they had her own oat biscuits, ah. they had all these homemade accompaniments, and it was just that was it for me. I thought, right, that, that yeah, that's uh, that's an important an important part of the meal, and that's uh, so kind of always yeah. done the same.
1: Okay, so that's really interesting. So, so in fact, I wanted to, yeah, I was that's curious to know whether you had had that experience of sort of. Having a wonderful cheese experience in a restaurant, and then obviously, so in your own restaurant in the West House, let's talk about two different aspects. Perhaps we'll start with the cooking first. Is from from a chef's point of view, is cheese a useful ingredient to you? Is it something, and how would you use it in your dishes?
0: Yeah, I mean, we. How many changes? I change a lot, so it really depends. I mean, there are times when you you look at it and you think, oh, I've got cheese in three dishes or <laughs> something, so you have to kind of take them out, and balance them. But um, yeah, I mean, we use we use cheese. So I mean, for example, at the moment on on the vegetarian menu, well, I say it's not actually vegetarian; it's a, a vegetable menu, and uh-huh. obviously, not not all of the cheese on it is um, oh, yes, is which... vegetarian all the yeah. time. But quite yeah. often, quite often it is. But we've got um, we do a little tartlet at the moment, which is uh, using Comte. So it's, it's essentially it's a quiche, you know, it's a little. You make a little royale mix a little custard mix we we stud, we, we put a, an onion a layer of onion marmalade on the in the bottom of the tart case then little cubes of comte and then we fill it with the custard bake it off and then we mm. uh we use grilled pickled onions which we make ourselves we then sort of char the pickled onion petals and build that up with slices of comte on top and some salad leaves or cress, and that. It. So it's yeah, it's nice. A little little cheesy, oh, that little cheesy, and is,
1: Yes, please. I'll have that. Um, Comte is lovely because it's got that sort of salty sweetness. You know, it isn't very appealing about Comte as a cheese, isn't it? I mean, it's a very easy to eat yeah. cheese. If you know what I mean, you <laughs> uh, think
0: it's. it's one of those things as well. When I was doing the tart, it's like. You know, you can use any, you know, the choices are endless. It? And it's, yes. I don't know, it's every now and then you just kind of think of, you think of something or a flavour note and you just think, oh, that might be nice. And yeah, so we sort of arrived at Comte. I mean, before that, I can't remember what the dish was I had on, but we had a dish on. Oh, it was, um, it was a soup. It was like a cauliflower, uh, like a cauliflower soup, cauliflower veloute, which we mm-hmm. poured at the table. But we had like bits of roast cauliflower and stuff in the bowl. And uh, we used to serve it on the side. Was a little um, we used to make like a little sandwich out of uh, out brioche and slices of Ogle Shield, and then oh, and truffle, great truff, oh, black truffle all over it. Ooh, that, was, nice... that was that uh, was yeah, really good. Yes, so, you know, it like that lovely make, um,
1: melting cheese, isn't it? I mean, it's got a... yeah. And we yeah, used to make just...
0: the cheese mix with the Ogle Shield to go in there. So rather than just putting slices of cheese in, we'd you know complicate it by. Adding, <laughs> basically. Complicated?
1: Uh, Never, <laughs> Graham, surely not.
0: <laughs> um, essentially, a kind of shield rare bit, i say, would be the easiest way to describe
1: nice. it. Nice. Yeah, with, yeah. Uh, what was
0: in it. But yeah, with the truffle over the top and then eating that with the cauliflower, which is the whole cauliflower cheese vibe. It's brilliant, if oh, I say so sounds... <laughs> Yes, no, it
1: sounds gorgeous. Yeah, wonderful. And what about things, because, you know, one of the joys of cheese, they're so diverse and you've got that whole family of, of, you know, Gapers cheeses were sort of fresh and lemony and slightly zingy. Are, are they? And a, you know, a gentle, different textures. You know, not not hard cheeses. Are they? Are they cheeses that you might use in your dishes too?
0: Yeah. Well, I, funny enough, I once done. Um, this is going back a while. when I, around the time when we were first here. I had um, I had a cheese souffle, like a twice baked souffle oh, thing. Oh, lovely! And um, and I I went through an array of cheeses to get kind of what I wanted because I I wanted exactly that. I wanted it fresh and kind of zingy almost lemony mm. and um we chose i can't remember which one it was but we chose we chose a goat's cheese at the time for it and um and i had a customer complain and sent me this lovely message to the kitchen uh, telling me um i didn't know what i was doing because i'd used the wrong cheese in souffle oh
1: dear and, um, yes. when- that's a bit of um, an insult when- <laughs> isn't it when i said
0: yeah. well haven't you i said it's it, there can't be a wrong cheese i said that's the cheese we chose it's a goat's cheese souffle and i chose that particular goat's cheese for the flavor and and the combination of what was with the dish and she said oh no you, you know it'd been much better with blue cheese i said but then it wouldn't be a goat's cheese souffle necessarily it'll be a blue cheese souffle uh, in the end you just like smash your head against the wall and uh yes i was losing <laughs> carry on doing what you're doing yeah, Well, exactly, really yes.
1: hold, Held hold, hold faith. So, I mean, but it's you something you know, that, stuff, yeah.
0: stuff changes.
1: Well, yes, it does. If I was going to ask you, Graham, have you seen more cheeses... You know, one of the things I've seen in, in writing about food over the decades is that a number of new cheesemakers come along in Britain making really interesting cheeses. And is that something that you've noticed as, as a chef that you've... Perhaps have, you got, have you got a wider range... i think thinking British cheeses here. Have, have you got more cheeses available to you to work with?
0: Yeah, I mean, I started... I started this thing about using only British cheeses, and, and that's not obviously not in the cooking because I've just said I use contact, mm. but um, on the on the cheese board. And this was way before oh. you know, this. This was when I was at restaurants in London. And that I always championed British cheeses because back back in about it's making me sound older.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry I about can't this. older. Than that. <laughs> um,
0: but when I round the round the time when I was first sort of seriously cooking and stuff, um, I met. Randolph you know at Neil's yard It mm. just you know it was all fairly new
1: Brilliant, yes, and um, it
0: was. Yeah. went went down there and um, started getting into talking to him and learning about cheese we used to go down there and choose our cheese we used mm. to do a thing called cheese of the day so I used to go to Neil's yard because I wasn't that far away then in London we'd go down there and we'd, we'd taste and we'd pick the cheese of the day brilliant how interesting um, you must have learnt
1: so much quite, doing
0: that yeah uh, loads and, and to be honest quite often I mean you'd say cheese of the day yeah, quite often became cheese of the week more or less but um but we'd always go down and when it was got, that was the, the the idea was i'd get something at its peak and when it was gone it was gone i'd go and get something else and um yeah. i used to really enjoy it and going down and taste it but after a while you you do sort of seasonally of course but i mean you do end up with the same you know cheeses over and yes. over and yeah. um i still all these years later i even in ken i still use neil's yard dairy for our cheeses on the on the cheese board and mm. we talk to them every week and um and let them sell us what they say they've just tasted which is really good or in season and i still trust them and um yes. And they're brilliant, but what I notice now is, yeah, there's lots of you know lots of cheeses now that I don't necessarily know, or there's new ones coming in all the time, and some of the old favourites that I used to like don't even probably exist anymore. But mm. um, but it's you know it's great, and yeah, I, I get some resistance from people saying, oh, you know, why don't you put French cheeses on us? Because I don't want to. Um, it's that simple, you know. I think, <laughs> Your restaurant, you, know, you get to do
1: what you want, didn't you? Yes.
0: Exactly. French yeah. cheeses are amazing, you know. So are so are British cheeses. If I've got great cheeses that I want to use and champion, then I then you know I, I can do that. It's nothing against any other cheese that I don't yes. don't use. I'm not being. Well, cheeses. you're a very
1: open mind. You're a very open minded cook, Graham. I mean, you use ingredients you know, and draw inspiration from around the world, don't you? But, um, but yeah, but that's interesting, yeah. isn't it? So, in fact, so your cheese boards at the restaurant, I just wanted to ask you about that, too, as that was, the, you know, the other bit of, yeah. in a restaurant experience, you have the cheese in the food, but then at the end, you have the chance to eat a cheese board. So is that something that you, so you just said you would source them from New Zealand dairy, so they'd be yeah British or, so they have Irish cheeses there, too. Would you stick to British? You've Yeah,
0: obsessed? we're not, no, yeah. we're not, I mean, you know, when I, when I say British, I do, I, I actually put on the menu British and Irish. Um,
1: yes. Yeah. yeah. So, because yeah, there's some I wonderful mean, Irish cheeses. Yeah, as well. Oh,
0: my. Yeah. Some. Some of the best.
1: And how would you serve that? Because I often, after a meal, cheese board can be quite a big thing. Of you know, I, I love cheese, but I sort of think, oh, is cheese? Have I got some room for cheese after a meal? Do you? How do you serve it? Do you serve it with nice accompaniments that you would make yourself? You're such a wonderful baker. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, we offer we offer it. So on the because you know we've got a few courses um, and what we do. You know, I do it the French way. We offer it before dessert rather than after. Yeah. Some people prefer it the other way, that's fine. But um, we offer it and as, as an extra, basically, if people mm-hmm. want it. And um, we have usually seven, eight cheeses, sometimes uh-huh. more. On the, on the board, and you just they can choose, or they can have them all, or they let us choose, or whichever whichever way they nice. want to do. It.
1: Would that would you presumably you'd have a choice of textures and types then in that in that yeah. overall sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah.
0: we try we try and vary it. We try and have like a, you know sheep, cows, goats, etc. etc. Yeah, hard, you know. The, yeah, yeah. um But you know, it's it's also like with everything we do and and food in general you know it's a seasonal thing so you've got what's available in season and we then we're led by Neil's yard you know we say what's good so if you know there are times when you've got you know you could end up with three goat cheeses on on
1: there Mm, um but well, it, It's very you know, seasonal, it actually, happen. isn't it? Yes, it's, it is. Exactly. I mean, in exactly. fact, if we interviewed um, you, St James, Martin Gott, we interviewed Martin Gott on the programme about this, and it's very much a spring cheese, St James. You know, it's out, he's, he doesn't make it in the winter, and the most yeah. he makes is is in spring. The spring months is the most abundant production. So it's back, you know, so I was really excited because I saw it in Neil's Yardera. I was like, oh, it's back, and it's such a lovely cheese. And, and seasonality, that's a nice thing, isn't it? Seasonal cheeses as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, geez. And i mean will you we
1: save that um, with with the homemade relishes or or biscuits or yeah so like?
0: we make um we make we make a basic relish chutney or relish depending on you know what's available at the yeah. time uh, which we do in quite you know a reasonable size batch to get you through a couple of months mm. so um so you know it can be a, a, a you know it can be a green tomato thing or a, or a gus- it could be anything. So we always have we always have a chutney or a relish. We always the the the, the standard that's always there is we make um, we make our own pickled onions mm. and they're like we, we have two big kilner jars of them which you know you can help yourself to with the cheese at the time some people just munch through a jar
3: (laughs) Um,
1: well good pickled onion is a joy isn't it yeah yeah.
0: and then we uh, then we have we have crackers which we make out of the excess sourdough ferment from our bread so we're now making these sourdough crackers which we can put whatever fruits or seeds or nuts in Uh, i think at the moment we've got i think it's hazelnuts going through them and some Mm. sunflower seeds and bits and pieces other times if we're not doing them we make oat cakes which are quite we make them quite salty quite heavy with celery salt oh nice um we do uh we do fruit and nut bread which we turn into kind of crisps almost like a melba toast version of yes fruit and nut bread um sometimes we do those sometimes we just serve the bread fresh with it like um you know a, a a fruit bread or a fruit and nut bread, hazelnut and raisin's the favourite. The other one, which we've been doing for quite a while now and by popular demand seems to... Seems to have become a bit of a staple is the Eccles cakes. So we make Eccles oh, cakes, wow. which we serve with cheese. So, lovely. And um, yeah, I, I quite like them because you have got an Eccles cake Eccles cakes. to munch. Cakes.
1: Yes, I would be. Yeah, that would be a real incentive to work with you. <laughs> like if I could munch on Eccles <laughs> cakes. Yeah. Well, they're um, small. Are they small? Like, are they so dainty Eccles cakes? Because they're quite well, filling. they're
0: kind of. They're quite semi-dainty. Um, <laughs> so they're not. They're not huge. Um, they're not they're tiny. They're not, like the, they're not like the great big things you see in bakers' windows. Um, yeah. And they're not they're not minuscule. They're right. kind of about yeah, the size, you know, space. those ones you used to get in those packets of Yorkshire ones that you used to. are yes, that yeah. sort of size. Other than that, nice. So that's a
1: nice, decent size. Because actually, you need to have space for the filling, don't you? Otherwise, it all be pastry. You do need exactly need that. Current, um, yeah, yeah.
0: They're great, and. Um, and yeah, I mean, we we cut them in half, and people share them, or you know, mm, or leave them, them, or whatever they want to do. <laughs> we had a treacle tart from a, from a dessert at New Year. It was once, and uh, uh, a wedge a wedge of a thin, very small wedge of treacle tart with a, an exact fitting wedge of blue cheese on the oh, top. Oh, that was sounds good. Absolutely stunning. It was great.
1: Okay, I'm going to try that. i am not. That's clever because pairing blue cheese with something sweet. It works really well. And yeah, treatment yeah. tart. Gosh, okay. You've opened my eyes, Graham. Thank you. And I mean, it's just one last thing. So I mean, having cheese at the end of a I meal, it is a lovely way. You know, when I have friends over, I sometimes, you know, serve a cheese board at the end, because it's, it's a lovely, leisurely way to end a meal, isn't it? Because you, there's yeah. something about that, that nibbling and the, the trying different combinations, you know, of, of cheese with, you know, this or that is it's really nice and it? is it something that you would do yourself I don't know if you ever get time to entertain at home or maybe you don't want um, to after cooking all the time in your restaurant
0: to be honest yeah I mean I do but I mean I, I, can't, I can't remember the last time I sat down and sort of had dinner of, like that i would made with anybody is socially <laughs> yes
1: yeah, is, is it something there speaks the life of a chef isn't it did is it something that if you went out Graham and a friend served you a nice you know cheese cheeses at the end of a meal is it something that you would enjoy yourself
0: oh absolutely yeah and it that does happen and um I would say if I was to do it, it, it's probably instead of a meal, it's probably, oh, I've got some cheese and I'll just put that out and little bits and let people, you know, drink and eat cheese.
1: Grays. Or get, a take-
0: or, get a get a takeaway, then have the cheese, whatever. Well, isn't <laughs> the, the nice thing? Isn't
1: the nice thing about cheese from a chess point of view that someone's done all the work in putting the flavour into that food? You know, you've got you know, obviously you do cook with cheese, but actually you don't have to cook with cheese. You can just eat it, and that's a joy, yeah. isn't it? they have got this wonderful food that someone's gone. It's like you know, beautiful cured meat. It's the same syndrome of oh, I can just eat it. <laughs> How nice! It'll be delicious. You know, it's
0: got <laughs> to be. It's got to be possibly one of the most versatile ingredients out there, isn't it? I mean, yeah, like you say, you can it's very very varied in so many so many so many types and flavors and so many uses from just eating it straight out of the wrapper yeah. To um, to doing with something him. really really clever with it. So yes, yeah, it's, it's, and to be honest, even the even the even the stuff that my missus brings back from the supermarket and leaves in the fridge, you know, finds its way on, melted onto a piece of toast. <laughs> of yes, a, of cheese evening, on toast you know, is great. Yeah. It's one of know, my favourite things in the world.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Oh, listen, Graham, thank you for taking time, out because I know how busy you are. So it was lovely to talk to you. Oh, you're welcome. Take care then. It's thank great. you. Bye bye, Graham.
0: Right, thanks very much. See you, bye. Bye. Online, on smart speakers, and on Listen Again, this is Food FM.
1: This week on A Slice of Cheese, very happy to have with me today, Rory Buchanan of Buchanan's Cheesemonger. Hello, Rory. Oh, hi there. Hey, Rory, thank you very much for joining us. Buchanan's, you, which is your own company you set up, tell me what it is that you do in terms of of cheese and restaurants.
3: Yeah, so I set Buchanan's Cheesemonger up about eight years ago now, Um, And the goal was to supply the very best of cheese to uh, restaurants, hotels, food service businesses and, and, and And we do that i guess we've got a range of around it's quite a tight range for a wholesale business actually we hold our range at about 100 different products or mm-hmm. a bit less than but we do a full british and european selection i guess the key for me is that everything's like in the best condition it can possibly be everything is delicious that is the goal in fact that is an internal uh, bit of language when we're testing things we actually yeah look each other is it delicious and Good. the answer has
1: to be yes. <laughs> that sounds nice. When it comes to cheese, there must be quite a lot of logistics involved, Rurie. I mean, so do restaurants play? And I, I think you you supply some very fine restaurants, as I understand it. And it must be quite a demanding area. <laughs> do do they? How does it work? Do you have to? Does it take time to build up a relationship with them? And then do you get to understand what they want, what they're looking for from you?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. The relationship with the the kitchens uh, is kind of key to it down to them was understanding exactly what they like you know remembering what they've liked in the past what they've disliked you know maybe keeping yes. an eye out when i'm looking at new products to yeah. you know having different customers in mind um like we were in italy last week and i had a handful you know we were there for our own purposes to look at new products for our range but at the same time i'm like oh well that that restaurant's doing that in September, that customer's doing that in the summer. Mm. Oh, those would be really interesting. And you know, we kick a little, funny little things catch my eye. And uh, I've usually got a customer in mind for them. So yeah, yeah, but it's, the, the relationship's important
1: it sounds very personal actually doesn't it because you know where you're you're creating cheese for that I mean and does it become like that to become a trust thing where they just say to you rory you know you know our menu you know our style or, you know what, what's good at you know this week send me what's good or do are they more specific Do they say i want i want goat cheese i want a hard cow i don't know how it would, might work
3: uh, there is normally a framework to it but no there's a good proportion of our customers that will just phone up and say i'd like a kilo of hard soft blue goat or something like that and they just let us choose what goes in mm-hmm. uh, some of the Restaurants that are a bit bigger and have a higher team, like a bigger, a bigger team um, that want a consistent product on the menu for, say, you know, two or three months would want to fix the cheeses for those reasons. Right. But then other sort yeah. of more small, small, mm, smaller, more independent restaurants, I guess, where they've got more flexibility to change things quite quickly would, yeah, really trust us. And that does take time to build because obviously i mean people could look at that as a an opportunity to offload some excess stock or something like that but that's never how we would treat it for us it has to be you you don't get away with that more than once you know for us it's a genuine this is absolutely perfect and it will be brilliant for you as a restaurant and it has to be genuine and that and that's what i built our reputation on is and hopefully is delivering great cheese every time.
1: Wonderful. And I was going to say, to, in order to deliver great cheese consistently, then you go to a lot of trouble to look after your cheeses, don't you? So is that is that part of the service in a way that, that you're offering to these restaurants? Is, is is your knowledge of cheese, how to look after it, how to bring it onto, it's just at the right the right point to sort of send it out into the world on a cheese board?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, we put a lot of effort into our, our, our affinage or, or maturing of cheeses, kind of we would refer to. it. Um, mm-hmm. We buy all, all of our cheeses directly from the producers, and so dependent on the cheeses, some of the producers will do some of the maturing themselves, particularly with the hard cheeses. But with the softer, um, younger cheeses, we can we'll have a lot more influence on the outcome of the the, the, the you know the texture and flavour through the different environments that we keep the cheeses in, but mostly from just keeping an eye on them and looking at what attention they need. Yeah, sending them out when they're at that sweet spot, which with soft cheeses, I don't know, you know, brie camembert sort of textured cheeses, mm-hmm. or even some of the smelly soft wash rinds and stuff. I mean, we're talking a sweet spot probably about five or six days. And so that's, uh, yeah, that's really difficult to manage.
1: Yes, uh, I was thinking that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It must be. Yeah, uh, pretty challenging. Well,
3: yeah it is yeah and that is part of it because obviously uh we don't want to generate waste but actually more importantly we don't want to like short a customer on something either so it's getting that balance right of having the right amount in the building and channeling it to all be ready in this sort of little window to then get it all out the door in that window and consumed and i think that's also where where what we do differs from like we don't supply any delicatessens or farm shops or you know retail businesses and it's Mm -hmm. not that i refuse to but that it's a really different proposition yeah so our cheese is delivered ready to eat
1: ah yes do
3: you see what i mean that's it's ready to, to consume yeah yep. uh, so a lot of the restaurants we supply we would go to once twice three even four or five times a week you know we, mm. some restaurants Amazing. we go to almost daily yep. and that's because we keep putting in new, new fresh stock yes. whereas if you were stocking for retail you would want like shelf life, it has to sit on yes. the shelf long enough for the customer to buy it. And then the customer has an expectation of some shelf life for when it's in their fridge at home. Yeah, but You don't want to go into a restaurant and eat some cheese that'll be delicious next Thursday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? you'd like and it so... on the day. Yes. Yeah,
3: yeah. And so... That's a really different offering
1: and do you think you know you are in london aren't you you've got a, you want your own lovely shop in case anyone's listening to this and actually wants to try some of rory's cheeses buchanan's got a beautiful shop just tucked away off near, near marble arch off Edgware road and um i was thinking london you know with its many restaurants that must be very useful i mean are most of your restaurants london restaurants then are you supplying locally
3: we only supply in london yeah. There
1: we go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, it's a big enough city to, you know, you're offering this very specialist service.
3: But yeah. and London and I, can support it. Well, it does just now. I mean, I don't have any ambitions to be enormous. I wouldn't be able to do what I did if we had a thousand customers. Because it's that, like we talked about earlier, that a personal relationship, that attention to detail. Mm. And that is difficult if you're at scale, like a, a very big scale. Obviously, there has to be enough scale there for you to be. A wholesale, i.e. Yes. sell something. Yeah, <laughs> yes. but um, yeah. but but we have that. Uh, I think London's got lots to offer in that sense, and everyone's within radius. I mean, I we are based in central London, so that I'm never more than about ten or fifteen minutes, maybe twenty minutes from any of our customers, so I can go out and do a lot of meetings and catch ups. Brilliant. We do a lot of training with restaurants ah,
1: nice oh that's interesting yeah I wanted uh, to ask you about that because I've actually I wanted to ask you do you think that our chefs the chefs you're supplying are they interested in cheese you know is it something they take pride in in putting on their menu and, and get you know knowing that they're going to be interesting cheeses on, on you know that they're offering their customers
3: uh, yeah absolutely yes yeah, that absolutely is the case Thank and I mean we obviously deal right at the top end of the market but I would have said you can't really go anywhere and have a cheese board and it like not be considered anymore like i've been a cheesemonger for almost 20 years and i would have said at the beginning of that time you know there would have still been quite a lot of you know fairly industrial commercial poor cheese boards sitting in restaurants it wasn't so considered but now i just don't think that you can realistically put a poor cheese board on in in a good restaurant environment or even you know gastropubs and mm. anywhere that takes their food seriously the cheese yes. has to be a serious consideration and that didn't used to be the case
1: and have you noticed in your years you know it used to be classically you know some time ago now it would have been a french cheese board but obviously you know the british cheeses have come a long way do you find that our chefs interested in in showcasing british cheeses on the on the cheese boards
3: uh, yeah certain restaurants are for sure i mean we do sell british uh, predominantly British cheese. It varies really, but it's probably about sixty percent British, somewhere about there. Mm. But we're pretty proud of them um, of the, the continental cheeses that we also stock. So we stock with lovely uh, French, Italian, some Swiss, some Dutch, some Irish cheeses. And actually, I don't yeah. separate I don't separate them out on our price because for me they're uh, separated by style. In the ah, sense yes. that we don't, I don't mind where they're from. They're on that list because they're delicious. Yes, yeah. I mean, yeah. and then I so we, yes. and we, curate them. And and the way that we age the cheeses is done so that they're a set. I suppose it's a bit like putting a wine list together. And yes. so I don't know, a golden cross from me might taste different to a golden cross goat's cheese from a, a different cheesemonger. But it's because yeah. I I've, I've got it sitting next to, say, a doorstone of Brightwell Ash, and a hill um, pill, and yeah. one's textured. One, so the golden cross are textured to be quite like a fudgy firm texture. The mm-hmm. doorstone are aged to be quite soft and creamy under the rind. You know, they're all set as as a group. And so when right. we have a conversation with the kitchen, we mostly they wouldn't come to me and say, "Can I have brightwell ash for my menu, please?" They'll say, "I want." X, Y, and Z textured cheese for this, that, ah, and the next thing. And then yes. and we'll deliver them what it is that they're looking for.
1: Yeah, lovely. And so
3: that's the way that we that's the way that we tend to work with kitchens.
1: You do a lot of ingredient cheese as well.
3: Yeah, that's yeah. So not just cheese boards. Um, you know, but we do a lot of cheese into kitchens, like for the you know, the main part of the menu, whether that I mean at the moment we sell a lot of fresh curd. Um,
1: ah, yes. Nice and spring-like, uh, yeah, lovely. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. got
3: nice goat's curds, and we'd sell a lot of butter, really beautiful butter. We sell a lot of, I guess, like, burrattas and mozzarellas oh, yes. and, you know, yes. all the sort of fresh ingredients. It's lovely, yeah. Yeah, but also, but also we work quite a lot with production kitchens, so we've worked with, like, top-end producers of cheese. I don't know, people like Quicks or, or Westcombe mm. that make beautiful cheddars yeah. or Lincolnshire yeah. Poacher, but we've yeah. had the, them, like, this, work with them to provide the cheeses in a kind of, format where it works in a production kitchen and I right. don't really feel like anybody else was kind of doing that before Where so it gives kitsch like big volume production kitchens the opportunity to use top-end ingredients
1: yes and it gives and top Cheese producers a chance to to sell quite a lot of something presumably then because it must be quite uh, big. Ordered. It does, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah Brilliant. That's, and I was just going to ask you, Rory, when you go out and eat, you know, and and any, I know you're a wonderful cook yourself. Would you order cheese boards in restaurants, you know, with a professional eye to seeing what's on them, how they're offered? Is is it something that interests you how how they are served in a restaurant?
3: Uh, absolutely, I am. Um... I would normally order maybe a little plate of cheese to share for the table, because I also have quite a sweet tooth. I quite like a dessert. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, no, I would always order the cheese, particularly if it was somewhere I was interested to see what they were doing. Um, Yes. and, And I think kind of less is more of a cheese board. I don't think it needs bells and whistles. I think it needs, you know, some nicely cut, presented, tempered. Bits of cheese with a simple accompaniment of some bread or some biscuits, and if you like, some fruit or maybe a little bit of chutney. But and yeah, I'm never a fan when I see it with hundreds of different things on the plate all stacked up. And yeah, I think just it's quite a simple, simple thing.
1: You want the cheese to be the star, then basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Which I think, yeah, brilliant. Oh, and listen, that is that's lovely. Thank you. That's a lovely insight. I mean, it's sort of fascinating talking about the different textures and the detail and the care. So that's um, a lovely insight. Thank you, Rory. Take care, then. Thanks very much. Bye bye.
0: To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.
1: Thank you so much for listening to A Slice of Cheese. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have enjoyed it, it would be lovely if you could rate us on wherever you found this podcast. It will make such a difference to us. So I hope you'll enjoy us again. Thank you very much.